Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. Today, we are talking about our second week in the invisible enemy, faith in the midst of fear. Folks, we live in a crazy time right now. Uh, It is... I'm not going to go into the details because this is supposed to be an uplifting message. The details will drag you down. But we all know the different things that are going around in our country, that are going around uh, nationally, politically, uh, and also socially, social unrest and those types of things. We live, uh, you know, pandemically. Is that a thing? I don't know. Whatever. We, we, we have these things that are very very real and very heavy. And I don't know if I'm the only one in this place who's felt the pressure of all the negative in our culture right now, but I have. I have. And that's, that's not even like our personal stuff, like somebody being sick or, or losing a job. or this is, just, this is just like around us. And then, then we get down to the things like car accidents, I mean, things that happen in our homes. Listen, it, it can be dark, but I have some hope for you today. The same hope that is, is raising me out of a dark place is what I want to share with you today. Okay? So, we're going to be in three verses today, large sections of Scripture, so I want you to get ready with your thumbs on your screens or your Bibles open. Okay? But to th- the big idea of today's message is this. God wants his people to be aware of what's going on in the world, but not be consumed by it. We need to be aware, but not consumed. The title of today's message is Water, Water, Everywhere. Okay? Water, Water, Everywhere. And we'll get into why that is. Open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And this is just, the, this is just the, the jumping off point for today's message. We're going to meander a little bit. Is it okay if we meander through the Word of God today and try to glean some things? Here we go. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He says, You Thessalonians, concerning the days and the times, you need to be aware. But you know what? You're so good at that. I'm not even going to lecture you on that. You need to be aware of what's going on around you. You need to understand the truth about what's happening. That that God is going to come like a thief in the night. What does that mean? It means while people are sleeping, the thief comes and steals. Now, you say, God's going to steal? Yeah, he's going to steal. He's going to steal his people away. Now, I'm not going to get into, you know, uh, we believe in a, uh, doctrinally, we believe in a pre-trib rapture, but we're not getting into doctrine today. We just want to get into the understanding of that someday God's coming. You need to understand the times, and you need to understand that that's going to happen. He's coming for us. He's not done yet. He, He didn't finish his work when he rose from the grave. He's got more to do. Okay? It's prophesied about, and it's, 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 if God says it, 
It's going to happen. Verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly, uh, sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I don't know why Paul thinks he can talk about labor pains. I don't know. Uh, I have no idea what that's like. I've only experienced it secondhand. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Ladies, you're amazing. I said it before. I'll say it again. If it were up to guys, there would be one kid. Because guys are up for any adventure one time. But that, You ladies are amazing. Paul uses this analogy. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for, the, for that day to surprise you like a thief. He's saying, God's going to come like a thief in the night. But you're not going to be surprised. The surprise is going to come for everybody else who's not aware of what's going on. See, God wants us to be aware. And I know this is talking about the end times things, but I, I want to I drill it down a little bit more um, to like now. We need to understand that God is coming back, that, that a lot of the things that are happening in our world, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, my friend Tim posted it on Facebook the other day, but the UN's plan for the next 10 years, you guys see that? You might as well just be reading Revelation. One world government, one world uh, currency, one... It's crazy. They published it. Just saying. Okay, it's going it's to happen. So just get ready. Don't be surprised by it. And I think sometimes we as Christians are like surprised. Like, why is all this stuff, bad stuff happening? Read the book. It's going to happen. Are you ready for it? Don't be surprised. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for the, uh, of the day surprise you like a thief, for you are children of light. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Please focus on the word hope. No matter what this world is going through, we shouldn't be blindsided by it. We shouldn't be affected the same way because we have a hope. His name is Jesus. We have a hope. We should not be dealing with the, with the, with the surrounding world, the, the, the current times, in the same way. We should be looking at it through the lens of hope. And we should be the ones extending hope, not wallowing in darkness. We should be extending hope. All right. Now, if I found my verse again, okay, chill day. We are not, uh, we are not of the night or of the darkness. Verse six. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep sleep at night, and those who are drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the Say it with me. Hope. Say it with me. Hope of salvation. Let's put that. I love that analogy. We've got to put it on our heads. I don't know about you guys, but my mind can go. It goes, man. And it, 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 a lot of times it goes to, you know, unedifying places. I need to put on that hope of salvation to protect 
my mind, my thoughts, my, uh, my emotional state and say, God, you are my hope. Why do I fear? We need to, in the midst of knowing what's going on, we need to engage with the weapons of our warfare. And that is part of the hope of salvation is, that, is one, of the, one of those weapons, helmet that we put on over our minds. All right? Number nine, for God has not destined us for wrath. You are not destined for wrath. I promise not to expound on every single sentence. Okay. But to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build another up, one another up, just as you are doing. That's what the church does. The church can't be a gripe session. The church cannot be a gossip mill. The church has got to be a place where I come in contact with my brothers and my sisters and I leave built up and encouraged by the power that exists within us, the Holy Spirit, back and forth between us. We have to do that. I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to know where your hope is. Your hope is not in politicians. Your hope is not in pastors. Your hope is not in a person or a system. Your hope is not even in your own life. They can kill the body. They cannot kill what Christ has redeemed. We may be in, uh, in store, we may have some persecution in store for the church. Again, it's all right there. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Well, Pastor, if, you know, certain person, like as a person could do it, person you know, becomes president, we could lose our. Our, our, our tax exempt status. Who cares? We'll just meet in each other's houses. The church is going to go on. Are you kidding me? We are so spoiled. Look at churches around the world. I don't know if you've seen the, this new um, Jim Caviezel project. He's got a new movie coming out. You got the guy who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. He's very selective with his movies. I'm not endorsing it because I haven't seen it. But it's about a man who goes over to the Middle East and is teaching in a college or university about Christianity. And he gets arrested, tortured, the whole deal. Listen, we are so spoiled in America, we might lose our tax-exempt status. You serious? People are losing their lives for the cause of Christ, and they're happy to do it. They're happy to do it. Because you can, ah, uh, man, we, we are blessed beyond our abilities to even comprehend it. Because we don't. We have to remember, folks, we are blessed. And no matter what happens politically, socially, all these things, the church will go on if it is the church of Jesus Christ because it said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. 
So you and I have to be encouraging to one another and build each other up no matter what happens out there. We need to know what's going on out there, but we need to focus on who is our hope. Does that make sense? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. I love the passage, and this is where my mind meandered, wandered when I was preparing this message. He says it's at, one, at some point, people are going to say, uh, health, prosperity, everything's good, and then Christ is going to come. Jesus talks about that same thing. So let's go back. Let's go, let's go to another passage. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. I'll give you a couple seconds to get there. Matthew chapter 24. And this is disciples asking Jesus, what's going to happen in the end times? And Jesus gives a long discourse on it. And funny, he says a lot of things without saying a whole lot. <laughs> He's like, you know, we're going to read it right here. It's like, the angels don't know, the son doesn't even know, only the father knows. But these are some of the things that are going to happen. So let's, let's read those. Uh, Matthew 24, ver- starting in verse 36. And he said this, Be, uh, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Kind of like a thief in the night, right? No one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Verse 37, for as were there in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He's likening himself to that judgment that came in the days of Noah. What were they doing in the days of Noah? For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore, you also must be ready. This is verse 44. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be aware that all these things... Listen, when we we talk about Noah, let's talk about Noah for a second. This poor guy, it's said in, in the book of Genesis that he was the last of the righteous house, the last in the, uh, the line of the faithful, all the way from Adam to Noah. And the rest of the world was full of violence. But I love the way this says it. It says they were full of violence. That's not what this passage refers to, though. It's true, but what does this passage refer to? They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were just oblivious to righteousness, to the things of God, and they were just going about their day doing what they wanted to do that included all these things plus all the violence that was going on in this world. I'm telling you, read the times today. The greatest thing the enemy has done in our culture is to make us think he's not there, that he doesn't exist. So people are going about their days, their times, they're doing what seems right in their own eyes. And then they're neglecting. And what is this doing to our culture? A godless culture has no hope. A godless culture has no objective truth. No objective truth leads to fear because you don't know where you stand. And you can't trust your neighbor to respect you. 
Because there's no, who, who says? Anybody who says, I don't believe in objective truth, I believe in my truth. You do you, man. Believe your truth. Punch him in the face. Just haul off and punch him. I guarantee at that moment in time, they will believe in objective truth. They will say, you could, can't do that. Why not? I'm just obeying my truth. My truth says I can beat the snot out of you anytime I want. That's not fair. That's not good. Who says what's fair and what's good? If there's no objective truth out there, then we can do whatever. And that's what we call anarchy. Have we heard that word recently? I'm just saying. In the days of Noah, they were doing their thing. They were living their truth. And Noah was preaching the whole time. There's different, there's debate on how long it took to build the ark. But can you imagine? They say it's anywhere between 70 and 120 years. That's a big, big, big ark. Yes, big ark. Yes. But it's also a big time span. You know, 70 or 20. See how efficient Noah took a nap? I don't know. Um, <laughs> if he's really efficient and diligent, maybe 70 years. But um, the, the, the spectrum is big. But here's the thing. All this time, there's not one convert to his way of thinking that we know of. He must have looked insane. He must have looked like a mad person building a boat for a flood when they didn't even have the context for the word flood. They didn't even know what rain was. You mean water is going to come out of the sky? <laughs> Noah's a loon. But he's got money, so we'll build his ark for him. Um, I think I'd hang it up, man. How about you, Chris? Uh, 70 years or 120 years without one convert, I think I'd be like, God, you made a mistake. And I said on, on, on Wednesday night when we were talking about Hebrews, I said, I guarantee the reason that God had to close the door of that ark and didn't leave that to Noah is because if he's anything like a pastor's heart, when those people started pounding at that door, he would open them and let them in. Because we as pastors don't want anybody to be left behind. We don't want anybody. To, we would come on in. Oh, finally, the revival's happening. God, open the door. Folks, we live in strange times. In the days of no, we cannot be unaware of these things, and we have to be, you know, we have to be knowledgeable. But here's the thing: I want to get to this point, um, and I'm going to go in a totally different story. I know, I know, I know, I know. This, these don't just go with me on this journey, okay? Matthew chapter 14. Turn there. Matthew chapter 14. You're going to probably recognize this passage. It's a very well-trod preaching passage. And it's about, it's about, you're going to start getting the understanding of what it means when I say water, water everywhere. Because at this point, Jesus has just done miracle, fed, fed the 5,000. Uh, he goes up into the mountain to pray by himself. I love the fact that God gives us this, Jesus gives us this example of when 
He's done a lot of work in ministry. He removes himself and takes a break and recenters. Uh, I have some people scheduled to preach for me in the next few weeks. Can anybody else say amen? You better be here. I'll be here, but I'm going to sit where you're sitting and enjoying somebody else's preaching because we all need a little break every once in a while. Jesus goes up in the mountain. He sends his disciples away. Why does he send his disciples away? Because they're annoying. Every time he does some preaching, every time he does something, they're asking him a question. God, why'd you do that for? Why'd you say that? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, just go away. I just need to be with God right now. Just go away. You know what I'm talking about, parents. As much as you love your kids, just go away. Give me some peace of glory for a moment. Anyway, he sends his disciples away, and he sends them across the, the lake in a boat. And he's praying, and he can see the boat is far off. Let's read it. Verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into, I love it. he made them get into a boat. Get in the boat. Can't take you anymore. Get in the boat. And go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I wonder what they were thinking. How are you going to get there? We're in the boat, and you're by yourself. Whatever. 23. And after he had dismissed them, the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. (sighs) When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. Noah looked like a a loony tune. Folks, we got to prepare to look a little weird. I'll tell you why. The waves are against us. The waves will constantly be against us. It's not This world is not our home. We are aliens. We are strangers among it. We have got to be ready for a little bit of weird because the waves are against us. Know it. Know it. Settle it in your mind. You're going to have moments where people are going to go, you're crazy. Know what the Bible says? Count it all joy. If they persecuted me, guess what? You get to join in that. Yay. Counter, the waves are going to be against us. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I love the way the Bible just kind of like says it. Like this is it's normal. He came walking on the sea. Does it give any like, you guys, you wouldn't believe this. It's never been done before. But Jesus walked on water. No, it's just like, he came walking on the sea. Why wouldn't he? How else do you think he's going to get to the other side, you big dummies? I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I love the way the Bible is just so cavalier with it. Walking on the sea. Verse 26, but when the disciples, disciples get our reaction, right? They, they, they mirror our reaction. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Yeah. 
I mean, you, when you read the Bible like you never read the Bible, you're thinking, I mean, we know this story, right? But nobody has the context of somebody walking on water yet. And in fact, even now, even though we know this story, if somebody did it, we would be freaking out. Because it doesn't happen normally. It's not a normative practice. They were terrified, and rightly so, and said, it's a ghost. I probably would say the same thing. I, I wouldn't, like, just assume that Jesus was taking a stroll through the stormy seas. I, wouldn't, I would have gone somewhere else, too. Read the Bible like you never read the Bible. Don't give these guys too much of a hard time. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Let's go over some things. The wind is against them. The stormy seas, and they're freaked out. They think they're seeing ghosts and all this stuff. That pretty much describes my brain sometimes. The world feels against me, very turbulent, and I think I'm, I'm imagining things that don't exist. Remember talking about seeing, being in the dark when you were a kid? You picture all these you know, monsters in the closet. They're not there. They're just in your head. Folks, what does Jesus say to them? He says, take heart. This morning, I want you to take heart. The sea may be against you. He's with you. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I think this is funny because he's still like debating whether this is actually Jesus. What if it wasn't? <laughs> he must have been pretty sure. Well, what if it wasn't? Like, he, there goes Peter, never seen again. Good thing it was Jesus, because that would have been it. I just think it's so funny how you read the Bible and say, like, yeah, yeah, Peter said, oh, okay. Think about it for just two seconds. It's a crazy thing to do. I love it. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. One other person in all of history has done this, and it just happened. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. This is some big stuff. I want you to understand, this is a kind of a big deal. He's putting every egg in Jesus' basket. He's saying, I'm putting my complete and utter faith in you. If it's not you, I'm a dead man. If it is you, I'm going to obey. When you say, come, I'm going to go. And the waves and the wind... I'm not going to focus on it. And this is, this is where we're coming to. All right, here, this is where we go. So Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out to the Lord, save me. He cried out, Lord, Save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You were doing it. 
Come on, buddy. You're doing it. Come on, buddy. Come to that. You know, I mean, I just picture Jesus like, oh, boy, you're doing it. You know, uh, you, were do- you were doing so good. There's a very important principle to glean from this story. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat whispered, uh, worshipped him saying, sorry, worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, the storms are not going to stop till till Jesus gets in the boat. When Jesus comes back, the storms will stop. But until that happens, there's going to be some storms. When Jesus comes back to this boat we call earth, the storms are gone. But until that time, we must realize that there are going to be winds against us. That the storms are going to rage and not be ignorant of that fact. Be ready for it. But here's the key. Our focus... If you're taking notes, you better be writing this down. And I want you to write the F, the, the words that begin with F. I'm going to say F words. That sounds weird. I want to say the words that begin with F, and I want you to write those in bold. Ready? <laughs> Don't write the F word in your notes. That's bad, okay? Our focus affects our faith, which impacts our fear. Our focus affects our faith, which impacts our fear. One more time. Our focus affects our faith, which impacts our fear. Peter got out of the boat, was walking on the water, and his focus was what built his faith. Why did you doubt? You you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did he doubt? The answer is this. He removed his focus from Christ, and he put his focus on on the waves, on on, on on the wind. His focus shifted from the one he should be focused on to the things that are around. And that's what we're doing, folks, in our culture today. I'm I'm preaching to this stupid guy in the mirror sometimes. I'm telling you, sometimes I get there. I focus on the waves. I focus on the wind. And I not keep my focus on the hope of my salvation. Because our focus affects our faith. See how it did that in in Peter's life? When he was focused on Christ, he was doing it. He was doing it. He was was having success in the midst of all the garbage, in the midst of all the waves, in the midst of all the storm. He was the only other human being on the planet in all the time to walk on water. But when he shifted his focus, it affected his faith. And he started saying things like this. I can't. I can't do this. No, duh. Yeah, you can't do this. Genius, you can't do this. You're walking on water. Nobody can do this on their own. Right? Yeah. He, he, he took his, he, he looked, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't, it's too much. I'm afraid. What if, what if, what if I sink? When he shifted his focus 
from the one who is the source of the supernatural in his life to the problems that were going on around him, he began to sink. When we focus on the water everywhere, water, water everywhere, it will affect our faith and will cause us to drown in fear. You know what the remedy to that is? God, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. We've been there. I've done it. I start, I've started to sink. I know you have too. Be real now. Be real. You super spiritual people, come on now. Lord, save me. What happened then? Come on, buddy. Let's, let's, let's go to the boat. We'll get through it. Come on, guy. You know what's interesting? It doesn't say Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? It doesn't say he held his hand the whole way back. I think we envision that. We, we kind of read into, you know, he's kind of like, okay, come on, bud. Let's do it, you know. No, it didn't say that. Maybe that's what happened. But why do we assume that? Why didn't, when he lifted him up and his focus got back on Jesus, he should have been able to walk on that water again. Because Jesus, focusing on the Savior, the hope of our eternity, builds our faith. What is the statement? Our focus affects our faith. When we focus on the storm, we drown. When we focus on our hope, we rise. You see, the storm didn't get, go away until Jesus got back in the boat. So all the way back to the boat, you know, whoa. I don't know, one big wave here. I, I don't know how it looked. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine what this looked like. What a crazy story. I love it. Our focus affects our faith and impacts our fear. If you are feeling fearful in this storm that we're in, you've got to readjust your focus. If you're feeling a high level of anxiety, you need to realign your focus. If you're feeling depressed, you need to get to church and let your brothers and sisters encourage you, build you up in the Lord. We'll social distance you, don't worry. I'm telling you, folks, if we want to walk on the waters, this doesn't say the storm's going to go away. I'm saying if you want to walk through the storm, you've got, we've ha we have to, we have to realign our focus on the hope of our salvation. We spend too much time dwelling on the storm. You know why we dwell on the storm? Because the storm sells. The storm sells. That's why 99.9% .9 of news coverage is negative 
news coverage. It just, it, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even taking a, a dig at the news. I'm just saying that's what it is. Because, because negative sells. The storm sells. It is the, it is, it's the master of the news cycle is the almighty dollar, not your well-being. What you're seeing in your life is what the enemy wants to show you. And you have to shift your focus from the storm to the Savior. You got me? Folks, I'm about ready to install a mirror right back there so that I can preach it myself while I'm preaching. Because I'm telling you, this is a, I, I needed this message. The other day, I'm just going to be, can I be real with you for a moment? The other day, I shared with you last week, I was feeling a little bit, mm. uh, I had a moment where I was just like, I'm done. I am done with this garbage. In the name of Jesus, I am free of this dark oppression that's been on my shoulders this last few days. I'm done. I'm free. In the name of Jesus, you have no, you have no hold on me. Get thee behind. I even used the King James. Just in case. Just in case. You know, you, you got, we got to be careful. Sometimes God speaks in Old English. All right. Get thee behind me, Satan. In the name of Jesus. And I will, I will confess to you right now that from that moment, it wasn't like a boing, but it was this. Folks, we need to realign our focus. That will affect our level of fear and anxiety and depression. Would you stand with me? Please don't think less of me because I'm human. I share some of these things with a little bit of uh, trepidation because I... <laughs> but, low, hey, we're in this thing together. We're in the same boat, right? Let's, be, let's, let's encourage one another and build each other up in the faith. Would you close your eyes? I just want you to think about one thing. This is, this is, this is personal. This is not something where I want people to raise their hands so everybody can see. I, that's not the point of this, this moment. This moment is this. What are you focusing on that's causing you fear? What is the source? What is, what is the wave? What is the wind against you right now? Maybe, it's, maybe, it's a, maybe you're a gale force wind. Maybe you're in a hurricane right now. I don't know. But what is the thing? And I want you to take it. I want you to, I want you to use the old English and say get thee behind me in your heart and mind I want you to put it behind you and I want you to it's not just enough to throw it behind you because you're going to be in a tailspin anyway so it's going to come right in front center again what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the hope of your salvation Jesus Christ I want you to take that thing I want you to put it behind you and say you have no power over me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you do not 
own me. You do not control me. In the name of Jesus, you have no power over me. Get behind me. My focus is on my Lord and Savior. And when you're tempted, because this week you're going to be tempted, because those waves are going to start getting a little bit, they're going to start fighting back. And that wind is going to start trying to blow you over. And you need to, you need to say, no, I'm not going to focus on the waves. I'm not going to focus on, I know they're there. I'm aware of the times. I, I'm not ignorant of it. They're there. And they're not going away until Jesus comes back in the boat. But for now, I know they're there, but I put my trust, my hope. I'm willing to get out on the waters because my focus is Jesus Christ. And don't let the world pull your focus. Ask him. Lord, I am praying for my brothers and sisters as much as I'm praying for myself this morning, God. You've, you've called us out on the waters. You want us to be a light. You want us to show the world what it looks like to live a life that is focused on Jesus Christ. So often, even in church, we start focusing on the wind and the waves, and we start to sink. God, we're supposed to be a city set on the hill, and sometimes we look more like a submarine. God, help us. Help us to be lifted out by your help. Lord, help us. Save us. Help us to walk and keep focus on you today. As a church, as a, a body of people, but Lord, even as, us, as, as individuals, help us to live with you as our primary and ultimate focus. We ask this. We ask you right now to cast out depression. All across this room, Lord, we ask for you to, to release people from that tightness of chest, that, that pressure on the shoulders, the thing that tries to sink us. Lord, I pray that we come out of this place light, walking on air, walking on the waters. Lord, cast out depression. Lord, cast out anxiety over all the wind that's going around in our, in our culture right now. Cast out anxiety. Help us to be aware of it. Help us to be responsible people. American citizens, all that good stuff. But Lord, I pray that we would not have, you would cast out the anxiety that comes along with because we're focused on you, you alone. God, I pray that you would cast out fear in the name of Jesus. You're the only one who can help us walk on the water. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go into your week lighter than water, walking on the sea in victory. In Jesus' name I pray.